Hey, it's Tanya Burton, creator of Women Warriors Fitness and the owner of the Diet Doc Sedalia. My goals as a fitness professional is to motivate and empower you to stop making excuses and instead make solutions to become the best version of yourself. This podcast was created to inspire you, motivate you, and give you hope to gain your life back. Let's jump into the episode. with a very special guest and dear friend who we're going to talk about something that's very trending right now and it's about the coronavirus and we're going to dive deep into all the big questions but I want to welcome David Brownwriter to the show. How you doing David? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. So before we get started with all the fun topics about the coronavirus, um, tell us a little bit about yourself and your history. Well, I am a physician. I am I'm an MD. I've been in practice now for I'll have my 25th year starting in the summer of, of doing uh, actual practice outside of residency. I'm board certified in both primary care and sports medicine, which means that I do a lot of work with um, people from all ages and all, com- all comers, and including on the sports side, the medical stuff. That actually includes dealing with things when I was with Dynamo, Houston Dynamo here, the professional soccer team a lot of international players with international concerns and working with infectious diseases. People think of sports medicine as, you know, I twisted my knee or I have a rotator cuff problem. Mm -hmm. There's also a medical side and that's been something I've had to work with for many, many years. How cool. So great. Just know a lot of everything. So I like that you said it's not just about, you know, a twisted ankle. You dive deep into everything. Yep. Everything. Uh, how cool. So let's go straight into the coronavirus. Can you kind of give us, um, for those who might not really, maybe they've heard about it, but not sure what it all entails. Can you kind of go over it? Sure. Well, the coronavirus is actually a virus that's very similar to the cold virus, the influenza virus, and I mean, a number of those that actually cause respiratory illnesses, we would call the common cold or bronchitis or sinus infections. Um, the issue with it being it's a kind of a newer strain of virus. There's actually older strains of the same virus that have been around for many years that we, at least we've known about for many years, and we just maybe never knew about this one until it showed up in China a few months ago. Um, but it is primarily uh, a, a cough and cold illness. It can come along with fever. It can come along with more advanced or serious conditions, but those have so far been really uh, related to whether you, you're old, much older with poor health, maybe you have some bad health conditions like diabetes, or maybe you're unfortunate to have cancer, or you're just older and, and weaker. And those are the people that have had the, the complications that you've heard about fatalities. There really hasn't been any data leak from what I've seen about children, young adults, healthy adults, who have actually gotten the illness and had a bad outcome dying. Maybe they've been hospitalized, but they haven't, they've survived. So why is this such a big deal? I mean, I feel like everyone's so scared and nervous and canceling plans and, you know, canceling conferences. Like why is this being blown up as something everyone should be like scared to death about? Well, because the original data was very scary that there was a, a high number of deaths reported relative to the number of cases reported. And I think I alluded to that in our in our own owner group about that. Mm-hmm. that you, know, you only heard about the bad cases. You didn't hear about the people who might have thought they just had a cold 
and it really was this. It's a brand new virus that nobody's ever heard about, just like when we heard about SARS or we heard about Ebola or Zika or some of those other viruses that actually have never really taken foothold in the US. But because they're new, that means that we don't really have any knowledge available medically to treat with, like if you have influenza, you could get Tamiflu maybe to help reduce some of the severity of the illness. But we don't really have any of that technology or a vaccine like the flu vaccine to, uh, to try to limit the spread of it. So because there's really, it's, we call it novel in the medical field, we call it a novel virus or a new virus. We don't really have the knowledge of the immune system's capacity to prevent it from spreading. So it has a potential to spread. I mean, you can't discount that. But most of the people that are going to contract it are going to be people who are, you know, just in contact, but it's going to be just like a cold. They're going to come up with a cold illness. And everybody with a cough and a cold is going to think, well, maybe I was in contact with somebody who had this. Because it does, it, over, the symptoms overlap so much with, with, the, with common illnesses. So um, what, if, if people are so scared, what, how, you know, what do they do about it? Is there just something as simple as just go to the doctor's office and they'll, they'll help you out? Or I mean, like if somebody is that terrified that they might catch it, and it's not going to be like you're going to, you're in your 20s and you're just going to flat out and die from it. Is well, there- you know, it's really, it's really tricky because, you know, we're trying to, we're, as scientists, we are, we're physicians are scientists first, right? That's what we study. What we're trying to do is we're trying to get some data on right. what this is all about. And the more data we have, the more we can understand about how it is spread and how we can help prevent spread, just like we, in developing vaccines or in the, any antiviral medications. Um, so what we're not trying to do is we're not trying to have people go straight to the doctor's office. That's not really pretty wise because then that's just another method of getting people to spread it. So what we, so what we're trying to do is we're trying to direct them through, at least here around here, we're trying to direct them to the County health departments where the testing to try to identify it is more available. Gotcha. Okay. And that way we can, we can capture data. They can be identified, hopefully learn if they have the illness to kind of stay away from everyone else. You can use that scary word quarantine if you want, right? It's a scary word. But, um, you can keep people away from others so that they don't spread it. They end, they're more understanding. It's probably the better way to do it. I've had a few people already this week um, who have had the worry that something has happened and they really aren't the ones, they really aren't at risk, but I've, I've directed if they were concerned enough not to dismiss their concern, but to have them go through the, the health department here. Okay. Well, um, that, that's very interesting. And something that you brought up with everything that you're talking about on, on Facebook today and our, in our conversation was about the climate. Can you talk a little bit about that? So we know that influenza is a seasonal illness, right? It seems, you know, everyone is told around, August or September, go get your flu shots. You see the pharmacies putting up their signs in, in late summer. We have our flu shots ready for this year because the flu, vex, the flu virus is really only viable. It's not a living organism. It's, it's programming basically, but it's only really effectively um, infectious during the cooler time of the year. So you're, going, you're not gonna see, you don't hear about flu epidemics in May, June, July. Is the season starts late in late in the year, like in November, December, January, and it runs until 
March or April. Sometimes it'll go a little longer than that, depending. But once once the, the summer starts to come around, you'll see the virus kind of, the infection rates drop down to almost near zero. And then they pick up again when the temperature co uh, cools down. It looks like, although we don't have enough data to say this for sure, but it looks like there may be the same type of susceptibility to temperature that this virus has that influenza has. So it may not be something that survives very well in, the, in warmer temperatures. That's very interesting. Yeah, so you know, um, the, the, the China information is showing that even in, and in South Korea, that the, the number of the cases, newer cases that are being identified is slowing down. And that may be a result of things warming up this time of year, that may be very well be the case. I don't, I don't know that we can say that for full, but it's, it, that's what it appears like. And even if you look at the number of cases right now that are occurring across the world outside, the numbers of cases are increasing, but the rate of the numbers increasing isn't blowing up. It's kind of a slow increase. And the number of people that are actually recovering that are being reported as recovered is increasing at a faster rate than, and a higher rate than the number of new cases that are being resolved. So the people that were infected already and identified are actually getting better. Most of them, a lot of them are getting better. And yet you only hear about the people that are dying, which is why I think a lot of people are scared or nervous, but it's not like you have it, you're going to die. You're going to be, you know, unless you have like a low immune system, or like you said, it kind of, if you're older, um, that you might be more susceptible to that. But otherwise, you know, you do hear cases of people are getting better if they do get it. Yeah, and most people are probably going to do just fine. I mean, if you, the, the actual, so there's a, a medical term, a statistical term called case fatality rate, mm -hmm. which means the number of time, uh, the number of cases where people succumb to death from an illness um, based against the total number of infections. So, you know, I gave an example in the, in the group, you know, say there's a thousand people with the illness and 30 people are unfortunate enough to not survive. That's a case fatality rate of 3%, mm -hmm. right? So, but that means that we've only seen a thousand people, but what if there were a thousand other people who were infected, but thought I have a cold, I have a minor illness and, or you know, didn't think enough of it, or they were identified, but weren't reported mm -hmm. and they, they survived well. So that drops 30 out of a thousand to 30 out of 2000, which is more like a half a percent or one and a half percent, I'm sorry, instead of two. And there's, there's um, data now coming out of China where the scientists there are reporting a fatality rate of around 2%. But that's only of the diagnosed cases that they have. That doesn't mean, again, that the number of people that actually have been infected with this that have survived are even in that full data pool. So the number may even be lower than that. And if you compare that to influenza, this is the, to me, this is sort of where I get a little bit um, sensitive about it, I guess is a good word. Yeah. Influenza, influenza has hit like 30 million people or millions of people this year. Yeah. And the fatality rate from influenza is pretty well established at around 6% or 7%, which is way higher than wow. the number of, and you hear about pediatric deaths and you hear about pregnant moms who don't survive, not just the, not just the smaller group of the older and, and right. the 
and yet we're getting, and there are people out there who will say, you know what, I'm not getting my flu shot this year because I'm worried it'll give me the flu, or it'll make me sick, which isn't really the case. It might, you might have a minor reaction to the immunization, but if you have some immunity built up, you're going to protect the, the people who don't uh, have the ability to tolerate an infection. That's called herd immunity. That's if you have the group immune, immunized, the weaker will be supported. And that's one of the problems we have with this virus right now is we don't really have a case of herd immunity because it's not been around long enough for our, our immune systems right. to, to handle it. But influenza is a much more serious concern. It's much more, it's probably more contagious mm -hmm. than, than Corona. But, you know, the, the rate that I'm hearing for the Corona is it takes one person can infect up to, I think, one and a half to three people. Okay. And influenza is like, I think I'm going to be loose with the number because I don't have it in front of me, but it's probably um, higher than that, say like one person can infect five or six. Wow, so what a difference that makes. It can make a huge difference when you look at bigger numbers. Yeah. And we're concerned right now about the fact that we've had 700 and some odd cases in the U.S., Right. In China, they had 80,000. In Italy, there are, uh, you know, 7,000 or 6,000 something. And we've had 700 some. And we're getting into a warmer time of the year. So I'm not, I'm not trying to be dismissive to say, no, this isn't going to happen. This isn't serious. This is not, you know, that we can be really, you know, unprepared and, and really uncaring about. This is really something I say we should be more measured and and watchful. Be careful about washing your hands, not necessarily sharing utensils or cups with others. If you know that you're sick, be responsible and, and stay away from others, even if it's not this, because many times it's not. There are so many different viruses that and infections that can be present that aren't the coronavirus, that just being personally responsible to others is always smart. Right. Yeah. And that's what I was going to ask is, you know, what are some ways that, you know, people can prevent it or just be more mindful of in their daily actions? Simple soap and water works as well or better than hand sanitizer. Right. We use hand sanitizer as kind of the, um, the quick out. It works, but you don't have to soak up a, a bunch of that and your hands will get raw. <laughs> like mine, mine are raw because we don't have, we don't have faucets in our, in our office. Uh, in every room, so I have to use the hand sanitizer, and my hands are raw every night from having to use that. But, but um, yeah, it it doesn't need you don't need hand soap if you spend 10 to 20 seconds with a good. It doesn't even have to be antibacterial. It's just the act of scrubbing your hands with soap and water can keep your hands clean. And if you can keep your hands away from your face, I guess we don't realize how many times we touch our nose or touch our eyes or whatever. Right where the virus can shed, but usually sheds through respiratory droplets, which is coughing, sneezing, et cetera. If you're not doing that, chances are you're probably not really sick with it either. Wow, well, that's a, that's a great perspective. I actually had one person tell me, I'm not going to Walmart. Everyone's coughing and sneezing in there. And I'm like, do what you gotta do. You just, you just go through pickup, that's, that's, just keep it simple. Just <laughs> right, <laughs> whatever works for you is fine with me. Right. Well, that really gives a good perspective and hopefully kind of gets the fear out of some people that, yes, you should be concerned, but not to the extent of what 
media has presented it to be as this like plague that if you get it, you're done. Yeah, one other public service announcement I have for that is we're, there are many people who have gone to that, to that road and said, I'm worried and tried to stockpile. The only people that are getting hurt by that are the people that need, that, need those supplies the most. Right. People who don't need it are the people, often the ones who are stockpiling in the event that something might happen and are probably healthy enough to withstand an illness if they contract it. And they're limiting the supply for people who could use the masks if you needed a mask. They could right. use hand sanitizers or, or they actually are quarantined for an extended period of time and cannot get to paper supplies. But if we're taking them off the shelves because we're afraid of something that's going to come, we're limiting that for them. We shouldn't do that. Right, exactly. So I'm glad you said it that way. So to tie up our, our interview in a nice little bow, what are some of your, just to recap everything, what are your final thoughts about the coronavirus? Well, it's a new virus, so there's a lot to learn yet about it. It appears to have some potential for being serious for those who have you know, significant illness or an advanced age. Mm -hmm. um, if we, it, it, it's going to be more widespread as it goes because it's relatively new to this country, mm -hmm. um, but it may not go as far as we worry because the temperature is getting warmer because it may be something that's temperature sensitive. It may just be like the flu. If we are smart about things and we practice good habits of keeping our hands clean, washing our hands every time we go to the restroom, not sharing utensils, you know, or other items that could potentially be carrying the virus on, um, then we can help our, help our colleagues and help our friends and neighbors from spreading it. And there may be some, right now there isn't anything that's going to happen anytime soon, but there may be a vaccine in a year or so that can help us down the road. There aren't any medications that are quite ready yet to help suppress the illness. There's a couple in the hopper that probably won't do much for the healthy people, but, and they're not ready for prime time yet. Well, that's, that's a great way to, to put everything. So thank you so much. That was so helpful. Just a great perspective of what it is, things you can do about it, the comparison to it compared to, you know, the influenza that's going around and the different numbers and the different perspective. So I, I just, <laughs> I want to say thank you for, for being on here. Of course. My I, pleasure. I your time, um, your expertise, your knowledge. Like it's, it's so great to hear from a professional, not just, you know, she said, he said from the news and we just don't know anything. And I love how you are constantly keeping up to date. You're constantly looking at the research and the data. It's not like, you know, you're just coming out of nowhere, you're paying attention and you're, you're as a physician keeping up with everything. And so I just, I love that you're sharing everything that you know, cause you know, us, us non-physicians, we don't know much. And so it's so easy just to like get into the fear and think everything's gonna, you know, what the what media says is true. So to hear your perspective and, and everything that you're sharing is so awesome and a huge relief. Good thing I always wash my hands. Get <laughs> <laughs> right. a good habit there. <laughs> right. 10 to 20 seconds, that's what you need. That's right. You scrub and scrub and scrub. Well, thank you so much, David, for being on here. Hope to see you again. I have um, actually a list of other questions. We're going to go into different topics. Okay. Uh, if you if you plan to be on the show again, the uh, my podcast, I'd love to have you back on here. Of course. 
Um, but thank you so much for your time and uh, we'll see everyone later. Okay. Bye. Bye